calling on case number 1212 stroke 18 of the South Af of Sabu Human Rights Court. The parties are Providence Hope High versus MEC for Education, Northwest and another. May the parties begin. If we may, we'll just sort of go straight into our arguments and, and, and introduce um, the matter. Um, as the court, uh, as a piece of the court, um, obviously the, the facts around the case have already been presented, so we won't waste time into going into those details, but proceed um, on the applicant's submissions on these. Um, the background to the arguments and submissions which will be made by the applicants this morning um, are captured quite effectively in the preamble of the Constitution, which will be the basis of which on which we will justify the submissions made uh, by the applicants. In particular, I'd like to point the court uh, to the preamble, and in particular, the last uh, sentence thereof, which, say, which basically says that the Constitution what seeks... What is that? <coughs> page uh, In our heads of argument, your worship, it's page number one. Page number one. In which particular the Constitution of the Republic um, states that it seeks to ultimately improve the quality of life of all citizens uh, being included into the subsidy <coughs> allocation policy and for an educational purpose and therefore falling within the right to a basic education as encompassed in section 29 of the Constitution. So does the Sanitary Pad Initiative fall under the right to education? Your worships, I uh, point to section 1A of the Constitution, which emphasizes that um, based on the values of human dignity and equality, uh, apologies, your worship, uh, the Constitution, section 1, emphasizes that its provisions are based on the values of human dignity, equality, and basic human rights and freedoms. In particular, the right to dignity, section 10, and the right to equality, section 9, will be considered as we unpack the right to basic education, section 29. The right to basic education is mutually inclusive of the right to human dignity. Your worships, this is one of the key submissions we're making this morning. Um, and, and as we go, I, I, I trust that it will become clearer why. In the case of Minister of Home Affairs and Others versus Swachinuka and Others, 2004 judgment, the court held that the right to dignity is an inherent right to be afforded to all persons irrespective of their social standing. Dignity, like the right to equality under Section 9 of the Constitution, does not discriminate based on race, gender, sexual orientation, or religious beliefs, amongst others. 
The court in, in Home Affairs versus Wachinuka did expand on the connection between the right to education and human dignity in particular in stating, and I quote, freedom to study is also inherent in human dignity, for without it, a person is deprived of the potential for human fulfillment. Furthermore, it is, ex it is expressly protected by Section 29.1 of the Bill of Rights, which guarantees everyone the right to basic education, close quote. Section 6.2b uh, of the Children's Act, number 38 of 2005, further expands on the connection between the right to education and human dignity, as it mandates that any actions or decisions which are taken with regards to children uh, must respect their inherent dignity. Therefore, there cannot be a determination on the right to education for child learners which does not take into consideration the dignity as well, uh, as, well as what is in the best interest of such learners. The right to education is a key socio-economic right. A further submission for the applicants, Your Worship. The court and governing body of the Juma Masjid uh, Primary School and Others versus SA, non-official, it's a 2011 judgment of the Constitutional Court, explained that the right to basic education is a fundamental socio-economic right, which is positioned <coughs> at, and I quote, promoting and developing a child's personality, talents, and mental and physical abilities to his or her fullest potential, close quote. This argument is reiterated in the preamble to the Constitution and is quoted in the introduction to our arguments, uh, which is at paragraph 1. Our further submission is that an interpretation of section 29.1, which excludes the sanitary pad initiative, would go against the very values of, um, and rights of dignity and equality and therefore be unconstitutional. It has already been established that the right to basic education cannot be interpreted or read without balancing the right to dignity with it. Education and dignity are therefore mutually inclusive. In addition, Section 9 of the Constitution indicates that all persons are to be treated and regarded equally, meaning that no person should be discriminated against on the basis of, amongst others, their gender. In this case, the girl child would be discriminated against and denied access to education on the basis of a natural biological occurrence which happens to take place for, the, uh, for learners of the female gender. Section 36 of the Constitution only allows a limitation on a right contained in the Bill of Rights where such an interpretation is reasonable and justifiable in an open and democratic uh, society and is based on human dignity and equality. An exclusion of the sanitary pad initiative from Section 29.1 would constitute an unreasonable and unjustifiable limitation on the right of the girl child to attain basic education as it would go against their rights to dignity and equality as above uh, considered or regarded. So are you saying Section 36 is not relevant? Your Worship, that's our submission. We're saying that it cannot apply. It mm -hmm. cannot apply to this purpose and, and it would be on the basis that, first of all, it is not justifiable. We haven't, there are no submissions and I will obviously allow our learned colleagues to, to touch more on that because they, they're of the opposite view. But our view is that there is no justifiable reason to limit the right, particularly to the girl child's to access education based on 29.1. And saying that they would not, and saying that the sanitary pad initiative should be excluded from this right, essentially is saying you're, you're trying to limit the right of, the, of those girl child learners to access basic education, which we, in our submissions we're saying it cannot apply. <clears throat> an exclusion of the sanitary pad initiative from section 29.1 would constitute an unreasonable and unjustifiable, limit, unjustifiable limitation on the right of the girl child to attain basic education. 
Therefore, on the question of whether the sanitary pad initiative falls within section 29.1, counsel for the applicant puts it forward that in fact that it, it, it does in fact fall within this right, read together with section 1A, section 9, section 10, and considering section 36 of the constitution as already explained. Your Worship, I'd like to move to the second submission to be made and I will hand over thereafter to my colleagues to, to, to remain or to argue on the rest of the submissions. Can the sanitary pad initiative be said to fall within the subsidy allocation policy? In the MEC's explanation to Reverend Molopo on the scope of the subsidy allocation policy, or the policy referred to hereafter, it was pronounced that there are three <coughs> main areas which the policy will cover and which warrants the Department of Education to allocate funding to a school, namely for the following three purposes. A, an educational purpose. B, for school administration. And C, feeding schemes. The applicant's position in this respect is that the sanitary pad initiative does fall within the scope of the policy as an educational purpose, as will be shown below. The exclusion of the sanitary pad initiative from the subsidy allocation policy contradicts the educational purpose element of the policy. Your Worship, it, your worships, it is our submissions and on the findings made by Reverend Molopa as well as Professor Mbokoto uh, in relation to the absenteeism of girl learners. Um, and which confirms, therefore, the far-reaching impacts on the right to education that failing to provide sanitary dignity to girls will mean. This cannot fulfill an educational purpose, and this cannot be the reasonable <coughs> interpretation of Section 21A. Providence High has reported an average of a 15% drop in the educational perform performance of girl learners uh, from boy le learners in 2016 alone due to lack of access to sanitary pro products. Just to in interrupt, uh, yes, what, what do we say if there are, there's argument that a boy child also can also say if they go for circumcision, Correct. the education must also uh, pay for that. Yes. What, 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 what is your submission on that? Do you agree with that, that you can compare that to the girl child uh, 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 having to be given sanitary pads and the, the boy child will say, if you're giving sanitary pads to girl child, then we as, as boys, we also need to be included in the act as a policy so that when you go for circumcision, education must also pay for that. Your Worship, respectfully, I'd like to disagree with that. Um, and on the basis that circumcision, to my understanding, Your Worship, is a once-off event. Um, menstrual cycles happen every month for a woman between four to seven days. This has a direct implication on their participation at school. Um, the implications on the male learners, and I'm not in the position at this moment, Your Worship, to expand on that and what implications they may have, but again, um, the focus here is on the girl-child learner and, and the actual impacts, as, as has been indicated from the statistics. Girl-child learners for at least between four to seven days in a month are going to be missing school mm -hmm. because of a natural occurrence. Um, I don't think we can equate them to be the same thing. If I may proceed. Yes. Providence High reported an average of 50, a 15% drop in the educational performance of girl learners from boy learners in 2016 alone due to the lack of access to sanitary products, which resulted in a non-attendance at school. Without sanitary dignity, the number of girls who are recorded as absent will increase, meaning the educational success rate of many girl children in this country could be jeopardized. It is therefore submitted by the applicant that, sanitary, that the sanitary pad initiative can be included in the subsidy allocation policy as an educational purpose, 
given the far-reaching consequences and limitations it would have on the access to education for many disadvantaged girl learners in South Africa. Your Worships, um, this is where my submissions end, and I will hand over to my learned colleague, um, uh, Sivu, who will continue with the remaining of, uh, the remainder of this applicant's submissions. Thank you. Just uh, maybe to add something, because you know this is a learning process. In court, usually you will say, before, after you finish, you will say, unless uh, the Worships uh, wish to ask anything, these are my submissions. If there's nothing from the bench, then I'm, I'm finished. But you must okay. first find out if there's, there's, no, further there's no further questions. Thank you. The first issue, my justices, that I'll be addressing is whether the MEC can reject the application for subsidizing the sanitary pet initiative. My Honourable Justices, this is a very, very sensitive matter for the applicants um, and as such we do believe that it is one that should be um, addressed meticulously by this Honourable Court. I'd like to start off by mentioning Section 27 of the Constitution which states that the state must respect, protect, promote and fulfil the rights in the Bill of Rights. Therefore, my Justices, we contend that the MEC as a state representative need not only to um, respect um, the right to education by female learners of Providence High, but also needs to fulfill this right as well. And part of fulfilling this right, my justices, is to accept the application for subsidizing the sanitary pet initiative. My justices, I'd further like to direct this court to what is perhaps the most um, important provision uh, of the South African Schools Act, um, section 34, which mandates that the state must fund public schools from public revenue on an equitable basis in order to ensure the proper exercise of the rights of learners to education and the redress of past inequalities um, in education provision. We humbly make it our sub submission that ensuring this proper exercise of the right to education includes providing sanitary pads um, for female learners at Providence High, just as how there has been um, provision made for transportation of learners to and from school, and just as how there's been um, provision made as well for a fitting scheme in the school. We say that um, these are all factors that contribute to the proper exercise of the right to education, and as such, the sanitary pad initiative should not be alienated on this, um, on this ground. If it pleases the court, um, due to lack of time, I've only been allocated three minutes, I will now address my second issue in this, um, in this, in this matter. <coughs> and that is whether or not the... Okay. All right. Sorry to interrupt you no, before no. You, you, you proceed. I just need to check something here. You referred to Section 34 of the Schools Act, which speaks about funding, correct? Yeah. I just need to take you back to Section 12 of that very same Act, which says the responsibility or the obligation of the MEC for, for education is the provision of education itself. Will I be correct? I just need you to help me. Thinking that issue of sanitary pads is about hygiene. Sorry, can I get your question? Sanitary pads yep. is about hygiene, correct? Yes, my, my lady. Now, how does an issue of hygiene becomes the responsibility of the MEC for education? Why does it not go to SASA? You've also mentioned in, in your argument that um, you've touched on the issue of the provision of transport 
and, and you know that the department that provides transport for the learners is the Department of Transport, not of Education. So why must the, 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 the MEC for Education be burdened with issues of hygiene when those <coughs> issues can be taken to Department of Social Development? Thank you, um, my lady, for the question. Um, as the applicant, um, we do submit that taking into account the nature of this matter, we are dealing with the right to education and the MEC is obliged to take measures that you, um, will ensure that kids um, um, have effective um, quality to the right to education. I'd also just like to point out section 27.1a of the Constitution, um, which also um, states that everyone has the right to healthcare services um, in, including um, reproductive healthcare and because this issue is one that um, has a direct implication on the right to education we therefore say that it is indeed um, one that falls under the duty of the MEC to ensure that um, these female learners are going to have um, access to education because really um, without um, this provision for female learners um, they will be excluded and prejudiced um, in their access to education and ultimately getting good grades and scholarships that would afford them to go um, overseas to universities. Just the last issue of, of, on, on the same topic because I can see you can really think on your feet. When you bring section 27 in, it means you're getting closer to agreeing with me that this is indeed a, a, hygiene, um, a hygiene issue. And I think at the opening address, you mentioned um, the constitution where it says the state, right? So social development would still be the state that provides those sanitary pads through Department of Social Development. What do you say about that? Um, we'd like to believe that um, social development um, would also be, um, you know, a, a, a Social development would also, you know, fall under uh, the fact that they would also weigh mandated, they would have to also, you know, offer a helping hand. But um, because the MEC is responsible for the schools in this area, um, as the applicants, we really do submit that the MEC must take um, all reasonable measures to ensure um, that the rights of learners are realized. Um, we are not in any way suggesting that um, social development would also not... Um, you know, have a responsibility to ensure um, this right. Thank well. you. You may proceed. If that pleases um, yeah. my lady. Um, I'd like to state um, section two of the Constitution, um, which also provides um, that the Constitution is the supreme law of the Republic, um, and that law or conduct inconsistent with it is invalid, and the, um, and the obligations imposed by it must be fulfilled. We submit to this Honourable Court um, that the conduct to exclude the sanitary pad initiative from the policy is unconstitutional as it limits the right to education of female learners. Not only this, my um, ladies, but it also limits the rights of learners to equality and dignity. Moreover, as I've already um, mentioned, um, section 27, I'd like to also just um, elaborate that effective sanitary um, dignity is also, is also vital to the health, education, well-being and empowerment um, of poor persons in such a school. In section 28, subsection 2, which is also a very important provision, my justices, guarantees that the best interest of the child um, of paramount importance in every matter concerning the child. 
Therefore, we submit that it cannot be in the spirit of the subsidy allocation policy that girl learners habitually miss school because they do not have access to sanitary products. We therefore submit that the policy is unconstitutional insofar as it um, excludes the subsidy pet initiative. If that would please the court, um, are there any questions from my justices? Do you think poverty plays any role in this in this in this issue? Socioeconomic conditions. Yes, my lady, I'd like to believe that um, poverty does play a role. Um, because the female learners at Providence <coughs> High cannot um, afford um, sanitary product, products um, and as such we would like to contend that we place such a responsibility on the state um, on such a right in section 29 to say um, they should assist in this case because um, the female learners at the school um, are, are not um, capable of buying their sanitary products themselves. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Talent Malika, and I'm going to be dealing with the question. I'm going to be dealing with the question that is referred to in paragraph six, which is: Is the MEC entitled to reject the call for subsidy in respect of the sanitary? PEG initiative due to budgetary constraints. Section 29, Chapter 1 of the Constitution clearly states that everyone has the right to further education, which the state, through reasonable measures, must make available and accessible. In respect of the Sanitary PEG initiative, the MEC is not entitled to reject the call for funding thereof, as that would amount to discrimination and would unreasonably and justifiably limit the right to education for girl learners as provided for in Section 29 of the Constitution. The MEC would therefore be required to take all reasonable steps to ensure against the discrimination of girl learners from attending school due to lack of access to affordable sanitary products and making the budgetary adjustments required to realize this right immediately. Providence High receives about 90% of its budget from state subsidies. Failure of the MEC and his department in providing the access to sanitary products is tantamount to breaching his mandate in terms of Section 29 as set out in paragraph 6.2 above. What is the appropriate relief in this matter? I would like to submit to this court that Earlier this year, in October, the Minister of Finance announced during the medium-term budgetary policy statement that consumers will no longer pay value-added tax on sanitary pads. This can be seen as one of the ways in which the government has tried to remedy the lack of access to affordable sanitary pad products for all girls and women. It is therefore submitted by the applicant that the MEC for Education in the Northwest is obligated to adopt the sanitary pad initiator into the subsidy allocation policy because it falls within the subsidy allocation policy as explained in paragraphs 3 and 5 above. Failing to do so would amount to a violation of the girls' rights to education as entrenched in section 29, chapter 1, subsection B of the Constitution, infringing on the rights to dignity and equality. The applicant requests that the decision to reject the policy by the MEC be declared invalid 
and the initiative be included in the policy. The applicant further requests that the respondents to the application attend to the allocation of a budget towards the sanitary pack initiator and as mandated by section 29 of the constitution. The applicants further request that legal costs to this application be borne by the respondent. If there are no further questions. I do have a question for you. Actually, you have read the respondent's head of argument, right? Okay. So in the head of argument, they raise a, 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 a an issue there. They say the provision of any service is also dependent on whether or not government can afford it, whether or not there are sufficient resources. And they mention the case for you there. They say in the matter of the Constitutional Court itself said, consider whether or not there are enough resources. What do you say to that argument? Okay, in terms of that argument, uh, I would like to put it to this court that in terms of the right to education, it is a right, if I can refer the court to the Amicus Curate Supplement title. Yes. They spoke about the nature of the right to basic education. Where are you reading from? In paragraph one of the Amicus Curate. This is the supplementary. Oh. Supplementary. Is it the supplementary? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. Okay. Are we all there? Yes. yes. Okay, so the nature of the right to basic education, it states that a right in the Bill of Rights can be expressed plainly as a right. For example, it can be unqualified, meaning that everyone has a right to basic education. And then with a qualification, for example, everyone has a right to further education which the state, through reasonable measures, must make progressively available and accessible, implied through expression of a negative duty. Okay, I'm actually looking for the one where it states that, where it speaks about uh, where a right is realizable, then it means that the state must uh, immediately realize the right. Maybe 1.4. So if I may read, yes. basic education, unlike some of the other socio-economic rights, this is immediately realizable. There is no internal limitation requiring that the right be progressively realized. Oh, okay, if you can go back to 6.3 of our heads, sorry. The MEC would therefore be required to take all reasonable steps to ensure against the discrimination of girl learners from attending school due to lack of access to affordable sanitary pads. I just want to highlight where we say that they have the, the MEC is required to take all reasonable steps to make sure that um, to to ensure that dis that there is no discrimination against that girl child. Okay. Does that answer the question? Um, about the issue of costs, why do you want costs on a constitutional issue? Costs. You say you say the respondent must pay the costs. Oh. Oh, because uh, 
When you check something, you just say, um, can the, uh, my lady or my lord okay, give me a minute? Oh, my lord, <laughs> seven minutes. But there's no lot <laughs> yet. To with my colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, still, I'm still comparing with my colleagues. Yeah. I'm indebted to your ladies. Yes. Oh, oh, you don't say coming back to that question. <laughs> if I may. Okay. If it pleases the court. If it pleases the court. Um, the reason why we request that uh, our the respondents um, further the legal cost to this application is because, um, it, just like we have submitted to this court, that it is the duty of the MEC to make sure that uh, this right is something that is accessible to everyone. And again, taking into account that the school does not have enough funds to be, um, to that it basically doesn't have enough funds. So it is therefore, we, we it is not really our, um, what's the word? Our obligation <laughs> to to um, to help with mm. this matter, basically. To so, you in 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 actual fact, you, you are saying that had they not opposed this application, we wouldn't be here. So now that because mm. they are opposed, they dragged you into court, and you think this is a legitimate uh, application, then they must pay for costs. Is that yes, what you're saying? Yes, they must because we believe that. Uh, um, this is something that also fits in within the policy allocation because if these kids cannot be able to access education because they do not have pets, then it becomes the, the Minister of Education's problem because it's the education, it's their education that is being affected. Mm. Thank you. Uh, just one more question, just to follow up on what my learned sister has asked you. Um, you say something like the MEC must take reasonable steps. Yes. What if the MEC says, okay, if you are talking about poverty, and if, if, if you are at a certain socioeconomic uh, class, you get a grant. The MEC says, but you giving those family grants, why don't they buy pets from mm -hmm. the grants that they are being given by government? What is your 
that machine on that. You can actually even ask any one of them to assist you with answering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, Your Worship, uh, as my learned colleague, and I think it was advanced to, to my colleague here uh, with regards to the, the hygiene and whether it falls with or not, Your Worship, it's not our submission that these are exclusive. It's not to say that we are not aware that there are other departments who are responsible as well in their capacities, respectively, to mm. ensure that sanitary dignity, for one, is realized. We are saying that on the basis of this matter, which directly implicates education, mm. um, this is something that falls within the policy because it, is an, it serves an educational purpose. Without it, you are prejudicing a group of learners, particularly female learners, from access to basic education. And so our submission is not that we exclude the, other, the responsibilities of other states of organ, uh, other organs of state, apologies, but rather that um, it is also the mandate of the MEC in this respect because of their mandate with regards to the subsidy allocation policy and it serving an educational purpose. I don't know if my learned colleagues would like to add on to that. Can I just uh, take it further? Yes. Mm -hmm. This application is on behalf of only the school providence, right? right. Mm -hmm. would, you be, would you have a difficulty if the MEC for Education were to say to you, can I speak to my colleague at, at Health to provide the girls here with sanitary pads? Would that alleviate the problem? Your Worship, I don't, see, I don't foresee an issue with that. I mean, as long as it's not prejudicing, again, I think the end goal here is that it should not prejudice the girl learners in the situation. Um, whether that means on the part of the MEC, and we are not here to expand on the powers of the MEC or his office or his colleagues' offices, we're here to expand particularly on um, his mandate in res with respect to the school, particularly given the history around it, the allocations, the subsidies that the schools receive. He has a, a mandate here. How he resolves the matter on, a, on, a, on another level is, is up to him. But we're just saying if he's going to justify or base um, his exclusion of the initiative on the fact that there isn't a budget, for example, uh, that is not the issue or that is not the, the, the concern of the school in question. That within his mandate, according to Section 29, is something that must be immediately realized by the Department of Education. It doesn't fall within the school to determine on their behalf how they're going to resolve the matter. Just one last aspect, but isn't it the, isn't the Constitution barring the, the, the State Department from, from acting outside, exceeding their allocated budgets? I hear you say yes. the MEC can't come to you and say, I don't have the budget for this. Yes. But, and, and on the other hand, the difficulty that the MEC, and I'm not speaking for the MEC, mm -hmm. the MEC can say, but the same Constitution prevents me from acting outside of my budget. Your Worship, I'd like to bring us back to our submissions, particularly around uh, when we unpack Section 29 in the first instance under my submissions, as well as when we refer to the Schools Act. Yes. Um, again, if we if we come back to the essence and the and the and the word uh, wording of the, the right, um, we spoke about my colleague spoke about qualified and unqualified rights. Um, Section 29 is a qualified right. It is immediately realizable. Um, obviously, we understand the socio-economic circumstances that the country faces, including the state itself. But the Constitution mandates that the, the, the Department of Basic Education ensures that it may immediately realizes the right, unfortunately. Um, so again, um, coming back to my previous points, um, it is not for us, um, as, as, or at least for our, our, um, the applicants in this matter, to pronounce on how the MEC goes about that. Um, unfortunately, that's not the burden of, of the applicants in this respect, but rather to run home that this is an, a right we are enforcing. In fact, the application has come about because um, we feel the minister, uh, the MEC, has failed to observe um, their, their role and responsibilities. Mm. And it's part of the reason why we're asking for the costs um, 
to be to be borne by the respondents because again we're enforcing something that should have been done already. Okay. It pleases the court or your worships. Thank you. Thank you. CB, you wanted to add? Congratulating your leader. <laughs> um, I, I just have one comment to you. Um, when you address the court, the High Court, you don't say your worship. Your worship is for the Magistrates' Court. You say, um, my lord, my lady. Thank you. And when you're addressing constitutional court justice, you say justices, like CV was saying. Thank you. Yeah, so you finish with your submissions. Okay. And uh, the respondent, are, are you ready? Uh, if it pleases the court, honorable justices, my name is Tefiso Mona, and I'm, I'm the senior counsel for the respondents. And on my left is Prudence Mate and Mutanta Montani. And we'll go straight to our argument. Uh, the first question I'll be dealing with is to answer is to answer as to whether the sanitary pet initiative. I don't think the court will allow you to go straight to your argument because if I remember, there's application for condemnation. Yes. You must first deal with that. Because we have you have not been granted. You can argue if you have not been granted a condemnation. Okay, we filed an application for condemnation, and our <coughs> friends did not oppose the, the, the condemnation. They did not oppose. Oh, okay. So then you can continue. Okay. If it pleases the court, uh, your la my lady, the, the the first question I'll be dealing with is to determine as to whether the sanitary pet initiative forms part of the right to basic education. If I may refer the court to an article drafted by Chieto Simbo, in his article he stated that the lack of a concrete and a precise definition of the term basic education means that. There, no one knows exactly what the term means in South Africa, and compliance with Section 291A by the state or by the government is therefore difficult. Mr. Mona? In, in, I'm sorry to interrupt you. In court, in, in real courts, when you are either not dressed properly or your posture is not the correct, the judge would say, I don't see you, meaning your hands must not be in your pocket. Proceed. If it pleases the court, and my lady, as I proceed, in dealing with this issue, the court has to distinguish between the right to basic education and the obligation of the state to provide access to education. In section 291A, the constitution guarantees the right to basic education in a slightly different manner from other socio-economic rights in that it is an unqualified right. That means the state has an immediate obligation to achieve the right. That it is stated in paragraph 2 of our facts that the Providence Hope High receives about 90% of its budget from the state. Therefore, that makes it evident that the state has successfully achieved this right. Inter alia, the right to have access to education is primary concerned about eliminating all factors which limit access. What, what, what is it your main head? No, I'm not following. Where are you reading from? Where are you reading from? I have drafted another document which I'll use for my Or for your prep notes. You're reading or from for your own. own. Oh. oh, okay. Sorry. Because I thought oh, you are reading from your heads. I'm submitted to the court as an annexure. 
beg leave to submit it. But then you must also give your opponent. How many copies do you have? I have three copies. Yeah. Then in that case it was not even necessary to give them because it's not the heads. It's not the heads. Yeah, yeah. This is something just just you did just to prepare for your argument. Yeah. Okay, let's Please don't forget, I know you're reading from there, but please don't forget to say, okay, I'm dealing with 5.1.1, and then when you move on to the next point, refer us to your uh, the corresponding point in the heads of argument. Mm -hmm. Thank you. If it pleases the court, as I was saying that, in dealing with the duty of the state to provide access to education and the duty of providing access to education is mostly concerned about eliminating all factors which limit access to education and the factors must precisely fall within the scope of the right to education. Then paragraph 5.3 of the head of arguments from the applicants approved that the right, the, the sanitary paid initiative precisely fall under the right to health care which is enshrined in section 27 of the constitution. Sorry, may I just interrupt you? When you say 5.3, do you mean 5.1.3? Of your heads. Of the applicants. Oh, the applicants. They approved that the sanitary pet initiative falls under the right to basic to health care, mm. which is in section 27 of the constitution. And section 27 of the constitution reads as follows. It states that everyone has a right to have access to health care services, including reproductive health care. And the Sanitary Pet Initiative falls under the reproductive health care. So, I submit that the applicant is legitimately anticipated to approach the Department of Health, which is more suited to fund the Sanitary Pet Initiative. Otherwise, any conduct, the Department of Education will be performing the duties of the Department of Health. And if I may recall the court, if I may refer the court to paragraph 5.3.1 of our head of argument, where the constitutional court dealt with in the Corsa case, in the Corsa case, the constitutional court dealt with the exclusion of permanent resident from social assistance legislation. The court emphasized the significance of the values of human dignity and equality in evaluating reasonableness of the exclusion, which was in issue. Then this precedent persuades my argument to show that there are no constitutional or any legislative obligation on the Department of Education to provide sanitary pads to female learners. 
Therefore, any damage to the dignity of the learners premised from the lack of sanitary towels cannot be accounted for by the Department of Education, but by the Department of Health or the Department of Social Development. Intent of this case. Um, in that case, what about Section 3 of the Act of, of, of South African Schools Act, which says that um, the, the MEC is responsible for a compulsory learner attendance? How will the MEC make sure that there's compulsory learner attendance? If the learner says, I, come, I can't come to school because I don't have sanitary pads. How is the how how will the MEC play a role there? The MEC can ensure that since all most of the learners in the South African schools they are earning the child care grant, mm -hmm. the MEC can ensure that the grant is precisely used to cover the basic needs of the learners, which will include the sanitary pads for the learners, other than buying other unreasonable stuff, which are not. Specifically for the basic needs of the learners, the MEC can ensure that the parents they call meetings to educate, to give financial literacy to parents to buy the, the, the learners the, the basic what they basically need to go to school, to attend school, and to receive education. And but, you, mm, but parents will say, "I receive one thousand something, and that one thousand is only for food." And what are we supposed to do now? We must starve because we must buy the pets. The money is for the children, and the schools have feeding schemes. We, we, they, they cannot argue that, they cannot raise the point that there is no food at home. The, the, the children, they come to school and receive food. Mm -hmm. Then they can use the money which they're supposed to buy them food with to buy them the sanitary pets. Then they come to school, they get food, they have sanitary pets from their social grant, which is from the social development department. Mr. Mona, yes, I wanted to say, and it is, it is well documented and it's a well-known fact that these recipients of grants, they buy lipstick and weaves, no? Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Unreasonable expenses. Unreasonable expenses, yeah. You may proceed, sir. Thank you, my lady. If it pleases the court, I may proceed to deal with the second issue, which is to determine whether the initiative said can fall within the subsidy allocation policy or does it fall outside the the, the policy. In dealing, with this, in dealing with this issue, the court must firstly draw its attention to the constitutional principle of legality and the proper exercise of administrative powers. The subsidy allocation policy, they form boundaries beyond which the school or the governing body cannot legitimately travel. If they if they determine to fund for an initiative which falls outside the scope of the policy, they will be conflicting with the constitutional principle of legality. Because the policy was drafted by virtue of a legislative, with, by virtue of with, with legislative power, which was enshrined on the consent committee. Secondly, the court have to consider the reasonable practicability of the sanitary pet initiative. If the court condones the, the implementation of the initiative, this will cause a heavy financial burden on the state. The state is already providing social care grants to the children. And now if they have to provide sanitary pets to the children, 
not only and this will, will not be only the Provident Hope High School. It will it will have implement implications to the national budget because every school will have to be provided with the sanitary pads. We will have to have the sanitary pad initiative, mostly even the, the primary school because some of the female learners they start their menstrual cycle at an early age, and that will have a very huge implication on the national budget. What what about the fact that I don't know if it's a Concord case I've read somewhere where it says that uh, educational uh, purposes are more important than budgetary purposes, which means the government should not so much worry about the budget, but about the fact that Elena um, gets education. In this case, I've stated that. Thank you, my lady. In this case, I've stated that we have to differentiate between the right to basic education and the obligation upon the state to make education accessible. The, the, the state in this case has already provided 90% of the budget of the school, which have successfully achieved the right to basic education. Now we are dealing to making education accessible to the female learners. And in, in doing that, the state has to do that within its available resources. This one is an, it's a, it's a qualified obligation. It is qualified by the availability of resources. The state cannot be expected to do more than it could achieve within its resources. Do you think that if, if you read the preamble of the Act, it says that the purpose of the Act of SASA, uh, South African uh, Schools Act, is to correct the wrongs of the past. Do you think that if the MEC says, I'm giving you grant and I'm, I'm, I've, I've done all I can to help. And the family says we, the grant is not enough and still a girl child cannot go to school. Do you think that is correcting the wrongs of the past? Thank you, my lady. Because the girl child is not going to school because of her socioeconomic condition. Is that correcting the wrongs of the past? And, and, and eradicating poverty because one of the purpose of the act is to eradicate poverty. Thank you, my lady. Mm, in dealing, in answering your question, I'll say that then it will it wouldn't be appropriate for the applicant to so uh, to sue the Department of Education because if we're dealing with poverty, poverty is not. It's not predominantly an educational issue. It has to do. It has to do with the social development, the well-being of the child learner at home, not at in school. If we're dealing with poverty, we can say that the government has take has taken reasonable measures to eradicate poverty within the educational premises because we have feeding scheme. If we raise the issue of poverty within educational premises, then. I think we have a very reasonable solution, which, our, which is our feeding scheme. And then now, if we take it to their place of resid of ordinary residence, then that will be only the Department of Social Development can have a say, not our not the Department of Education. Thank you. Um, just one question <clears throat> or one comment. Um, Building on my learned sister's question, uh, eradicating poverty, putting, um, correcting the wrongs um, of the past. So the right to education 
is um, the, the right to education is a fundamental right. And poverty, it goes, poverty is preventing these, um, these girl children from access to education. What, what, what do you say about that? Because poverty is associated with the past and the fact that not many girl children in rural areas had access to basic education. So, could you elaborate more on that, please? Okay. May I please the court indulge and consult with my co-counsel? If one of your colleagues wants to answer that question for you, they are welcome to assist. Okay. And then you can go back to your submissions to your submission. when later. Yeah. Okay. As the court pleases, Honorable Justices, my name is Agnes. I am the co-counsel. As the co-counsel, I am the respondent. Uh, I represent the NDC for Education in this matter. Honorable Justices, in light of the questions that you've asked to my colleague, what I can submit that is, number one, Honorable Justices, as much as the state is obligated to fund the, the school, it must also be uh, noted that this, the SGB, the parents are also obligated, they also have a positive obligation as well to to fund, to help with the funds for the school in order for the betterment for the betterment of the learners. So the obligation is not entirely on the on the on the the positive obligation is not entirely on the on the MEC to provide the the, the, the what is this the sanitary the, yeah the sanitary pads. But the the obligation also the positive obligation also also occurs within the SGB and the school as well. So in this instance, Honorable Justices, I will say it will have to be a consultation between the MEC as well as the SGB, because uh, I've noted that in the, in the school's act, it is also stated that the SGB as well as the, um, the parents are also obligated to raise funds for the school. So they will also have to partner in with the MEC and assist. And the SGB can do this in a variety of ways, as it is of common cause, as well as in our facts, in our facts, honorable justices, that they've once consulted with private institutions, like the lottery to provide buses for the schools. They can also do the same things with the Sanitary Pets Initiative. They can go to other departments like the your always Atra and ask for donation in that regard. The parents can also assist if they are able to afford school fees they can pay the school fees, which can also be used in this instance as honorable justices to supplement where the MEC cannot go further. How, how do I, 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 as a parent, I mean there, I'm a black woman, I'm not educated, I live in the rural area, I'm not working, my husband is not working, our uh, girl child goes to school. The only thing that we depend on is grant. How do I help and contribute? Honorable Justices, thank you for your question. Honorable, honorable Justices, in, in light of, what, of the question that you've 
asked this uh, asked um what i can say is yes you are a black woman Yes, you are educated, and yes, you are unemployed. Mm -hmm. But remember why the social uh, grant was there in the first place, Honorable Justices. And in light of the fact that the Constitution stipulates that the best interests of the child are of paramount importance in any matter, it is therefore, Honorable Justices, also as a mother, taking into cognizance the fact that the best interest of the child is of paramount importance. With that social grant, Honorable Justices, you can use a bit, a portion of it to make sure that the child is catered for. If, whether, regardless of the fact that you are educated, you are unemployed, I know that every parent in this, in this country wants what's best for their child. And the Constitution also says that as well, Honorable Justices. So the, 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 the mother can actually use uh, that portion of the money in the in the what is this in the social grant mm -hmm. and just put it there for a month just for sanitary pets as we have it's also been uh, in the news honorable justices that the finance minister has also asked that some of the pet uh, of the tax uh, of the pets will not be taxed honorable justices so this will also go to the heart of the of the parents who are within the who are unemployed in this instance they can buy those reasonable ones that are not taxed to, to afford for their children. Yeah, they can buy the ones without wings. They're cheaper. Yes. If it doesn't have any questions, that they will Thank you, Mr. Mona. Okay. Thank you. 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 Where the Constitutional Court held that the obligation imposed on the state to progressively realize the right to have access to housing, health care, food, water, and social security are dependent upon the resources available for such purposes, and that the corresponding rights themselves are limited by reason of the lack of resources. Then, subsequently, in the Hrubom case, the court stated that the content of the obligation in relation to the rate at which it is achieved, as well as the reasonableness of the measures employed to achieve the result, are governed by the availability of resources. In the TAC case, the court held that the obligation does not require the state to do more than is achievable within its available resources or to realize the right immediately. Meaning that the state must be given sufficient time to realize the right in issue. It cannot be expected to realize the right immediately to fulfill the obligation to make education available, accessible to everyone. So, with this, I submit that the the initiative, the initiate, the sanitary pet initiative does not fall part of the subsidy policy. If there are no further questions, I mean, allow me. Yes. Go ahead. Um, just a comment, um, building on from what my learned sister mentioned about the court uh, not seeing you, where a justice or uh, would look at you and say, I can't see you. It's got to do with your attire. Um, when you're presenting in front of a court, you, you should not wear a sweater. Maybe a tie, it's preferable to wear a jacket, a dark jacket, a tie and a shirt. Or if you, you know, if, if you can't get hold of a jacket, then maybe just a tie, but not a sweater. Okay. Thank you, Mr. No questions.
justices, as I've already highlighted before this honorable court, my name is Agnes Nkantamandane, and I, along with my co-counsel, represent the MEC for education in this matter. Today, honorable justices, I'll be addressing two uh, two most uh, two issues that are before this honorable court. Uh, honorable court, uh, honorable justices, sorry. Uh, I would like to, my arguments will be based on page 8 of our Heads of Argument. So, Honorable Justices, due to the uh, word limit, uh, some of the, I've stated the, what is this, the Constitution, the provisions of the Constitution, but I will elaborate further on it, or on my arguments. Uh, I just not include it within the Heads of Argument. Honorable Justices, as I've already indicated, I'll be addressing one of the two issues before this Honorable Court. The first question is, can the MEC of, can the MEC for education reject the application for subsidizing the Sanitary Pets Initiative if the Sanitary Pets Initiative were to fall within the scope of the subsidy allocation policy? The second question that I'll be addressing in this honorable, uh, in this on behalf of this honorable court is: Is the subsidy allocation policy unconstitutional in as far as it excludes the Sanitary Pets Initiative? Honorable justices, in light of the first question. Um, and, the, and in light of the first question, it is, all, it is worth noting, Honorable Justices, that it is worth noting that um, the, as much as the, the budget is being brought uh, in front of the MEC from the school, the school is saying that they require funding of 1,000, 100,000 range. Um, Honorable Justices, it is worth noting that in this instance, the state will therefore not only due to the right to equality, Due to the right of equality in terms of the constitution, the state will not only be funding the, the school in this particular instance, and that the, the MEC will therefore have to fund the entire province. So that is worth noting before I go further into my arguments. Honorable Justices, I'll be addressing um, uh, the, this, the provision in, set, uh, in, in my heads of argument, which is 6.1.2. Uh, section 1, subsection C of the Constitution. Honorable Justices, South Africa has incorporated the doctrine of the rule of law in section 1, subsection C of the Constitution, which provides as follows. The Republic of South Africa is a democratic state founded, the, the Republic of South Africa is a democratic state founded on the following values. Number one, the supremacy of the Constitution, and number two, the rule of law. Honorable Justices, in that instance, Honorable Justices, it is therefore worth noting that within the South African context, what the rule of law actually means, it means that the government, or in this particular case, the MEC, must have the power provided for, or the authority, or rather the authority for, for everything it does provided for by the law. Irregardless of the substantive, irregardless of the procedural or the, uh, the national provisions of the, this, irregardless of the, irrespective. <laughs> okay, irrespective of the substantive qualities or the procedural qualities of that law. Honorable Justices, uh, it is therefore our submissions that in this instances, the MEC cannot...